Welcome, everyone. So are you tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Well, you've come to the right place. Here, we cut through the world of surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths. Here we dive into the dark waters where strange creatures move. Here we're free to be that foolish knight who lunges at windmills and who lights up the world with his magical vision. It's all too much, says George Harrison. Well, that's true. But all the more reason to jump into it and intoxicate yourself with life's infinite profusion. After all, you don't discover new lands by sticking close to the shore, do you? This is the wisdom of. And coming up, the Stoic philosopher Seneca and his inspiring and urgently important moral essay, The Shortness of Life. I made a, a rather unique uh, New Year's resolution, totally unique in as much as I vowed to become a much more cliched human being. Everyone out there is opting for totally individuated crazy pursuits. It put me in a real pickle. It's too tiring keeping up. So the only way for me to do something totally different was to veer hard toward the commonplace. So each month, I've pledged to add a new hobby, one that is totally standard for a man-child of my age and circumstances. I started off by brewing my, my own beer. It was really tasty if you prefer your drinks on the chunky, sediment-laden side. Next month, I dove deep into crypto, and I invested all of my wisdom of podcasting money and turned my 37 Canadian dollars into something called Dogecoin, which if I check my portfolio is down 68%. Thanks, Joe Biden. But the third was getting deep into history, specifically, you know, the kind of World War II era or the Roman Empire, perfect for my newly cliched lifestyle. Throw aside World War II for a second and let's think of ancient Rome. One of the many deficiencies I have is that I have a hard time placing philosophers within their their proper times, within their like proper eras. Like I kind of think of them as just floating out there outside of the bounds of time and space, free from any specific kind of anchoring periods. But of course, I'm an idiot, and that's not true. Our guy today, Seneca, turns out that he not only lived, but he lived with two extremely inf- uh, yeah, extremely infamous emperors of the Roman Empire. You got Caligula and you got Nero. In fact, Seneca was Nero's tutor. Chunky sediment beer. Wow, that sounds nice. But yet somehow I doubt that that prevented you from drinking it anyway. Am I right? Yeah, the the Nero connection. Let me get to that in a second. So, first, and as usual, a brief summary. So, the Roman Seneca was one of the three most important Stoic philosophers, along with um, Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus. 
He was born in 4 BC and died in 65 AD. And um, like you said, he's also infamous for serving as an advisor to Nero, one of the cruelest of emperors. Actually, you know, Nero eventually ordered Seneca to kill himself because he thought that Seneca uh, was part of a conspiracy against him, which uh, wasn't true. Seneca then, true to his stoic form, modeled his suicide on that of Socrates, trying to do it with equanimity and, of course, with finely wrought last words. I was going to do my usual thing, you know, the meandering question that most of the time ends up in the neighborhood of making some kind of sense. But instead, I decided to take a bath and I tried to think about, I just tried to think about songs that were about time. But really, I just got stuck humming time, time, time is on my side by, you know, the latest, uh, you know, like we talked about in our latest episode, the big hit philosophers, the Rolling Stones. So after about 45 minutes of that, I refreshed my bath water, some, some more hot water added. I settled back in and I got into the real work of the day, real long deliberations and YouTube watching in order to try and pick a side in the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Now, despite having a complete collective inability to truly know what's going on, like society in general, I feel like I have to be firmly, aggressively convinced one way or the other. But I just couldn't do it in the bathtub. None of the well-constructed hashtags fully swayed me. So I decided to watch seasons one and season two of 21 Jump Street instead. I got totally distracted spying local landmarks of a bygone era in the background. Turns out there used to be a record store three blocks from where I live. So after a completely tiring session Googling that fact, I took a nap. I woke up late, had to rush here. So what did Seneca actually say about time? Did he say like, you know, we should all chill out. There's plenty of it to go around. Wow. Do I wish that Seneca was around to hear this? Because, um... You might be the greatest example he could have used of what it means to um, misuse our time here on Earth. And to um, answer your question, no, there's not plenty of time to go around. Okay, so let's go through what he says about this, because it's um, pretty critical and inspiring stuff. Okay, so what Seneca wants to remind us of in The Shortness of Life is that time is a non-renewable resource. A fact that so many of us don't really acknowledge. I mean, what's so very strange, says Seneca, is that most of us don't want to waste our money. We, we hold on to it as much as we can, right? But yet, we give no thought to wasting our time. But again, this is strange because time is the only real, genuine, and precious resource or commodity that we have. So, if we're going to be miserly, or stingy with anything, we should be so with our time. After all, says Seneca, how does it make any sense to value anything, like money, above our own lives? Okay, but for Seneca, time is precious, yes. But at the same time, he wants to say that it's not that we have a short time to live. No, he thinks that if we use our lives properly, then our lives are are perfectly long enough. The problem, again, though, is that so many of us waste so much of our time 
And for that reason, our lives are going to end up being too short and we're going to be filled with regret. One of Seneca's ways of putting this is that many of us exist, but we don't live. In other words, someone with uh, white hair and wrinkles has been in existence for many, many years. But they may not have lived a long time. There's an important difference there, says Seneca. Okay, but how does Seneca think that we waste our time and therefore our lives? What are the sorts of things which contribute to it passing too quickly? Well, first of all, and uh, most fundamentally, it's simply that we forget that life is limited. We think we're going to live forever. In other words, we squander time as if we're drawing from a full and abundant supply of it, as if there's um as if there's plenty of it in reserve. So, taking stock of our mortality is first on the list of importance. Okay, well, what else? What else makes life much shorter than it should be? Well, basically, Seneca says ambition and the pursuit of great achievement and just busyness in general. That's to say, a life full of obligations or one of an overwhelming torrent of responsibilities and entanglements is a life that rushes by. It's a life washed away. The climb to the top of ambition's ladder is a life that's sacrificed and lost. This, Seneca says, is why Augustus would often pray for freedom from affairs of the state. He wanted to do away from it all, because even though he ruled, the sweat that that cost him just wasn't worth it. Now, to be more specific, part of the problem with this sort of busy, achievement life is that, in fact, it's often a distraction from living, not living itself. That's to say, in our busyness, we show up for our obligations, but all the while being absent from ourselves. We're, in effect, um, fugitives from ourselves. And this is because we mistake the doing for the being. There's nothing that the busy man is less busied with than living says Seneca. Oh, and he also adds that um, no activity can be successfully pursued by an individual who is preoccupied, since the mind, when distracted, really absorbs nothing deeply at all. Okay, but this isn't the only problem with a life of ambition. There's something else that's very important. And that's that the overly ambitious person sets up goals in the future at the expense of the present. They lose the day in waiting for the night. Or as uh, Seneca says, the greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. Besides, says Seneca, the future is somewhat uncertain. That's to say, all that is still to come lies in doubt. So instead, seize what is certain, the present, this moment right here, right now. Extract from the moment all that you can. Actually, you know, this sort of outlook here might remind us of uh, Horace's famous phrase, carpe diem, or uh, seize the day. And um, there is a similarity here. But I think it's important to understand something here. It's important to understand that in both Seneca and Horace's case, even if they might not sound like it, 
They're not discounting the future altogether. In other words, they're not encouraging a total throw caution to the wind type thing. No, part of what they're saying is that we can't just simply assume that everything is going to fall into place for us in the future. Because, after all, chance or fortune rules, right? So the best thing to do is to focus in on what we can control now in the present to increase the likelihood that our future will be a little less unpredictable. Oh, and um, by the way, when Seneca encourages us to live more in the moment and to live less ambitiously, he doesn't mean to live the, um, the idle, lazy life. I mean, it is true that he wants us to cultivate more of the leisurely life. But again, by leisure here, he doesn't mean sitting around not doing anything. No, far from it. He hates sloth and indolence and all such vice. I mean, he says as much over and over again. That kind of thing, he says, amounts to meaningless leisure. No, when he talks about leisure, he means living with a purpose, but with a purpose of your own choosing, one that you own and control, one where you use your time as you want, one where you don't regulate your sleep by another's sleep or regulate your walk by another's pace. One, basically, where you live for yourself. Okay, well, what else does Seneca say? What's another important way in which he thinks that we waste our time, which is to say, shorten our lives? Well, here's one. He thinks that most of us give too much of our time to others. All those who call us to themselves draw us away from ourselves, he says. We spend too much time where our face doesn't keep its normal expression. So, we need to learn to spend more time on ourselves. How small a part of life belongs to us when we busy ourselves with pursuits that aren't our own and with others who always want something from us. Sometimes we just have to protect and preserve our own precious time. And with it, our lives. Okay, so... What's Seneca's conclusion here, then? Well, like I said earlier, it's not that we have a short amount of time to live. No. It's that we foolishly squander a lot of it. In other words, there's no shortage of things that take away our time, and so we must guard against them. So we have to learn to adopt the right attitude to time and to appreciate and allocate it in the right way, if we want not to exist for many years, but to live a long life. Now, we do this in part by recognizing our mortality, by not sacrificing the present for the future, by not imprisoning ourselves inside all sorts of obligations, by not marching to someone else's drum, and by not dissipating our time in sloth and indulgence but instead working towards meaningful, self-created goals within a time that is our own. If we can live like this, our life is going to be plenty long enough. And at the end of the day, if you happen to forget all of this, at least keep in mind Seneca's central message. It's really simple, and it's this. You don't want to be that traveler 
that get so caught up in conversation that you find that you've arrived at your destination before you knew you were approaching it. Now, so it is with the journey of life. You don't want to become aware of it only when it's over. When I was but a young boy, I was told by a few of the quote-unquote elders around me that it was very important to respect them, respect my elders. To their eternal credit, my parents did, didn't, they didn't really say it too much. At least they didn't offer it as some kind of blanket command because they knew, and I would quickly learn, that age does not necessarily and often doesn't even correlate with any sort of wisdom. Like the older people that were around me, the ones who prattled on the most about respecting elders and, and listening to their wisdom, these were the same elders who sat around on their butts telling racist jokes, recalling racist stories, and coming up with racist nicknames for the eight ball and pool. Luckily, or perhaps thanks to my parents, even at the tender age of five, I possessed a finely tuned moron detector, and none of that rubbed off on me. We're far better off finding wisdom elsewhere. I know on this podcast, we spend more than our fair share of time bagging on modernity and technology. But if we can say something positive, there is so much true wisdom right there at our fingertips if we just look for it. Like, what would someone like Seneca think if with just a few clicks you have access to all the thoughts of the ancients? If we use it properly, what could it really do for our lives? It's, uh, it's funny, you know, I, I know what you mean about the deceptive nature of older looking people. I remember when I was a kid, I used to be really pulled in by the faces of old people, thinking that they had some bit of wisdom that I could do well to have for myself. And then, yeah, like you, I found myself pretty much always disappointed. Anyway, to, to get back to Seneca. So, Seneca actually does put a value on older people. But actually, more specifically, on wise philosophers and thinkers of the past. Okay, so part of the reason that Seneca values philosophers and the like so much is that in this brief latitudinal life of ours, they can help us to expand our lives longitudinally. In other words, they can help to expand our short lives sideways, so to speak. Okay, well, what does this mean? Well, it means that by letting the views of great thinkers and ideas into our lives, we annex more ages and more experiences to our own, increasing the scope or width of our lives. I mean, what better way to add to our fleeting span of life than to devote ourselves to these historical ages and to these eternal ideas? By doing so, we expand or pass beyond the narrow confines of our own thoughts and of our own life, however limited in time that life might be. Um, maybe another way of putting this is that through the philosophers of the past, all the years that have passed before us are now added to our own. Okay, so notice something amazing here. Notice how big this space has become in which we can roam around in. That's to say, the space that is our life is not just our own anymore, but the whole of history and the whole lot of eternal ideas. In other words, 
By reading these thinkers, we're no longer just confined to our own small narrative, but we get to wander through this great tract of time. What better way to be an adventurer and to widen our life to expand it sideways? So when we read the great thinkers, we exclude ourselves from no age, but have access to them all. And it's exactly this, this combination of all times and all ideas into one life, ours, that makes our life thick and wide and so, so much more substantial and interesting. And um, by the way, if there's any way at all of making sense of uh, prolonging our mortality or of making our life immortal, it's just this, isn't it? It's to participate in the eternal works of philosophy that no age can diminish or destroy. to the wisdom of podcast if you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general visit wisdomofpod.com and as usual we love to read your questions and comments reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on twitter at wisdom underscore pod our next episode top philosophy billboard charts (laughs) 